0: Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, And today we are diving into an exciting development that's uh, really poised to reshape the world of carbon credits. Now, this is the emergence of sovereign carbon credits. So forest-rich countries under Article 6 of the Paris Agreement are really starting to make waves in the climate finance arena. And what they're doing essentially is having now the ability to raise um, finance to protect uh, their forests uh, through selling carbon credits. But the way they're doing it now is uh, what is uh, quite creative in terms of carbon accounting. So they um, ensure that the carbon that uh, is is essentially avoided uh, deforestation is now accounted for. And they don't account it themselves, but they allow other countries with nationally determined contributions to um, account for it. So this has a lot of implications for voluntary carbon credit markets as well, because um, there's the the size of uh, the um, issuances are quite large. It's in the millions of tons that these carbon credit supplies are coming in, and it's coming into the market at a time when if you look at the supply and demand for carbon credits voluntary carbon credits there's this expectation that by 2030 by 2040 given how much a lot of these companies uh, around the world have set net zero targets corporate commitments to purchase carbon credits would be fairly strong given a lot of their net zero commitments rely on heavy decarbonization across their supply chain, and as that turns out to be more and more unachievable, one get out of the jail card, in a sense, could be using these um, carbon credits. And the the, um, the theory thus far on supply and demand has been that uh, if you add up all those corporate commitments and how much carbon credits they'd require, the amount that's available is probably not much and it's a function of um, not enough uh, what we call removal credits uh, being available. So credits linked with things such as uh, afforestation, uh, growing more trees, um, reducing carbon directly, there aren't much uh, of quality products available. And uh, that supply picture of carbon credits has been slowly but steadily developing by stating some of these points now the problem with this argument is if you're having millions of tons coming through from sovereign um, carbon credit issuances it does put a dampener in the market because this is millions of tons being offered into the market and uh, the demands at the moment not there so you come up with a situation where there's this sense of oversupply where there's technically not much because these are all not removal credits, they're avoidance credits, and um, you are not going to see enough projects take off the ground. Now, plain and simple, when you look at these fundamentals, um, at first hand, these carbon credit markets seem very interesting for anyone wanting to, A, generate, be a project developer, or even invest. However, if you peel back the um, the surface, you start seeing the risks. And this, I feel, is one of the biggest risks with carbon credit markets, that these sovereign issuances absolutely bring a wall of supply into the market just when buyers aren't as much or as strong uh, to, to withstand this source of supply. Um, at the moment, uh, the, some of these sovereign credit issuers, Suriname in particular, now are, are asking for $30 a ton. Um, it is a quite a high price to ask for avoidance credits. It's great um, if the, the source of finance actually goes to avoid deforestation in these rainforest-rich countries, but um, it has implications. Now voluntary carbon markets again, other issues um, and w- what makes it very different from a traditional commodity market is The fact that a lot of the supply is geopolitically sensitive. So if you are going to do a project in Indonesia or Latin America, there is sovereign appropriation risk Uh, and and that is a real risk that a a lot of these project developers run with. There's technical risks as well. So as methodologies change, um, the way the carbon gets accounted for, that needs to be factored in. So another big risk for a project developer. Um, They work on a 30-year project only to find that um, some of their carbon accounting gets changed as a result of methodologies being changed. And it's the real lack of long-term commitments as well. As much as there are corporate commitments to purchase credits, even in that end, there's a lot of greenwashing, etc. taking um, place and a lot of lawsuits where companies are now even... Um, who would have otherwise been okay just buying a lot of carbon credits, offsetting uh, a lot of their fossil fuel projects, are now playing it very cautious as well. So overall, the market for voluntary carbon credits, as much as it's, it's had a period of uh, of a dawn lately, since 2021, I, I strongly feel that um, there are big risks in this market. Um, Compliance carbon markets, whole different story. You could have cases like the EU ETS now very close to hundred euros a ton. Um, many other markets having compliance credits, but they also have their own dynamics. I think if you go into a recession and in a high interest rate environment and um, you start seeing employment uh, being a, a bigger issue, the cost of living being an issue, these um compliance carbon markets can also potentially not withstand the heat as much as all of these are required for the achievement of 1.5 C.